Welcome back to Officially Unofficial. And we are joined by a very special guest. He is a man that came on this show when I was recording it upstairs with no light, looking like an absolute buffoon. I don't know what I was doing. It's my pleasure to welcome a legend of the show. The people love this guy. Tampa Bay Rays relief pitcher, Cody Reed. How we been, brother? I'm good, man. How are you? Good. Actually, I'm not that good because I want to bring this up. You're a shoe guy. If people watching the show, you can see the shoes in the background. I got to bring this up to you because one of the most embarrassing stories of all time. So I was doing well. I was winning a lot of bets. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to buy some Jordan 11 Concords, the nice, uh, nice Jordan 11s, you know, like the, the new ones, like the, the red, white, and black ones. So, oh, yeah. and the people know this. People, people who are listening, they know this. So I ordered them and I like, I'm like, I'm all pumped up. And I look at the receipt and I ordered size 11 children. So I just have size 11 children Jordans hanging up upstairs doing nothing. So hopefully my future child is somehow size 11. One of the biggest screw-ups of all time. Have you ever done that or even came close to ordering the wrong size? Man, never the wrong size, but I've, I've honestly – so there's a couple of these. Um, so, like, I do buy off, like, sock kicks and goat every once in a while. Yeah. And so, like, on goat, you can, like, uh, like offer. Like, you can have, like, create your top offer. You can, like, bid on it, basically. But, like, under the offer, it's such fine print. They kind of play you. You can change it, like, my offer is going to last three days or it's going to last seven days or it can last 30 days. And so I was trying to get the barren ones. I don't know why I wanted them. So I just wanted the gray pair. I wanted them bad. And so I'm on stock. I'm on goat trying to like offer on some shoes. And I offered on the same shoe, but I offered the same amount of money. But I, on one of them, I said, my offer, it can only last three days. But the first one, I didn't change it to 30 days. And so I got an email. Hey, go to accept your offer. I'm like, Oh, I got them. Like, that's awesome. Whatever. You will send them whatever, go through verification or whatever, like the whole process is. And then like two, three weeks later, right. I get another email. Hey, go, <laughs> go to accept your offer. I was like, I haven't done anything on go like in a couple of weeks, but, and so I look on there, it's like, Oh my God, to change it. Like it was a 30 day offer. Like my offer lasted like three <laughs> weeks. The 30 days was almost up and whoever was selling them, like accepted my offer. So and I got two pair that I really only wanted one, but now I got two. I actually respect that. And those Jordan, I was legit heartbroken because those Jordan 11s, like the, the, the Conquer are, are in, insane. They're, they're sick. So I was, I was pumped up to get them a little bit heartbroken. Those Concords, um, I graduated high school in, in 2011. And that is when those, for me, my first like initial, like sneaker love became with those. And I had them I actually warm for high school basketball. So you and were balling out. I did play. I played high school basketball, but I was like, I was in the shoes, but like not obviously as much as I am now, but I didn't know how, like, how, like expensive they were now. Like if I would have kept them back then, like now it's like they're worth money, but I, I mean, I beat them up. I played, you know, however many games of my senior yeah. season. In them. True. I, I mean, and the next thing I wanted to bring up is, did you realize the amount of pain and torture it costed on myself when you got traded to the tampa bay rays uh a pretty much a division rival of mine a team that i grew up not liking obviously but did you kind of realize when you're like all right well now i'm kind of an enemy with johnny here i'm on the tampa bay rays division rival with the blue jays like did you kind of at least in the back of your mind think about it how much pain it would cost me when i saw that news on mlb.com i thought about it it was more actually because i live in tampa and i even lived in tampa before i was traded here so once they told me hey we worked out a trade we're sending you to Tampa. I don't think I hung up the phone fast enough, right? And I was like, I'm going to my house, right? I can be home and I can play in the stadium, you know, 25 minutes down the road. Yeah, so can- you're, that's incredible. So excited. So that might have been one of the last things I was thinking about. It. I respect that. And I'm just saying, man, I was going to reach out to you and just, I was going to text you, but obviously you were probably getting a shit ton of text message. I was going to text you and just be like, please tell me this is like, this is a, like a, a April Fool's joke or some shit. I was heartbroken, but obviously I, I say this to all the guys. When you play the Jays, the Jays are dead to me. I'm a big Cody Reed guy. So, you know, whenever you're facing the Jays, I hate them, but I mean, wh- so let's go into the news, man. I mean, what was going on there? When did you find out you were getting traded? How did you find out? And I mean, what was your initial reaction besides the fact that you lived there? So it's kind of sick. Yeah. So actually um, we were in Milwaukee. I just threw, man, I think I threw like, four out of six days like I was I threw a ton right and then I threw I think we had a four game set versus the Cardinals and I threw that last Sunday and we kind of had like a little we had a little rut as a team like we weren't really winning that many games and like as we should like what we looked like on paper it almost felt like we shouldn't have lost the game like how good we were you know what I'm saying yeah 
for the Reds. And we kind of like we're hitting some bumps, right? And I think we got swept that series against the Cardinals and like we got beat up pretty good. And um, the next series was in Milwaukee. And one of my good buddies on the team and since he, uh, Rob Stevenson, he was battling like a lat or like some sort of like scab issue that he's, he missed probably about the first month of the season uh, last year. And he was healthy coming back and they called me in and they told me like, um, they said, Hey, no, we're the trade deadlines coming up in like, you know, four or five days. He's like, we have to activate Rob today. We were going to trade you at the deadline. He's like, but we have to, um, we have to DFA you right now. And I was like, okay, that's fine. Like I, I like, I don't know a lot of people know this, but I asked for my release in 2019. Damn. I did. I just, I know I was very bitter. I, I thought I should be pitching. I was pitching well. And they were kind of, you know, jerking me around a little bit, like starting relieving. Yeah. And up. Right. I just, you know, just, I know everyone goes through the times and I just, you know, I caught the ass, right. I was, I was uh, pretty bitter about it, but that's besides the point. So they're like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to DFA you now, but we will trade you in the next four days. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. So I packed my stuff up. Right. I took off and I had with all the COVID rules, I had to drive. They rented me a car. I had to drive from Milwaukee back to Cincy. And so I drove me. Yeah. So me and Amir, obviously me and Amir, that's my dog. So we stood, we probably stayed in my hotel room that night when I knew I was driving down to Cincy the next morning. Amir stayed in my room until probably like three, four in the morning. Right. We were just kicking it with each other because, you know, with baseball, you know, it's a love hate relationship. Right. You build all these great, you know, you meet all these guys, you know, you build these crazy friendships and then it's like, I could never see him again. That's not the case, but like, that's just how baseball works sometimes. Like I'm never going to play with some of those guys again. I might not talk to some of those guys. again. so like he was in my room for a while and um, yeah, man. So I drove down the next morning, I drove down to Cincy and, and I was just basically, um, I went to the alternate side that we had uh, for us and I would just throw kind of work out, just trying to see waiting to get traded. And man, four days of trade deadline comes and I'm playing Xbox with my buddy. And um, he, he lives with me here in Tampa and we were playing Xbox and, uh, I was like, hold on, this Pittsburgh number's calling me. And I was like, I don't know who, I don't even, I didn't have the number safe. And I was like, oh Lord, it's Pittsburgh. Like, <laughs> yeah. right, that's fine. Like I, another opportunity to play it. That's what, who it is, right? That's my, that was my thought, but it was the GM of the Reds. And he said, Hey Cody, you know, hope everything is going well. Like, you know, we worked out a deal and uh, we're going to trade you to the Tampa Bay Rays. And I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, man. I mean, that's... and I was like, uh, well, thank you, sir. Thank you for everything. Um, he's like, man, if you need anything, let me know. As soon as I got off the phone with him, my buddy, who was waiting for me to get traded as well, my roommate here, uh, I get right back on the mic, right back on my put my headset on playing Xbox. And I was like, I'm coming back home. And he goes nuts. Right? We all were like, oh, no. we're freaking out. But yeah, it was uh, it was kind of a wild little, little roller coaster of emotions. But man, I love it here, man. I know I like I got a little something going on right now, but I mean, I love like last year, it was awesome coming over here. Like the guys are great. Coaches are good here, man. I really, I've really enjoyed it here for sure. Yeah. And I mean, talking about the Rays, it's just such a class organization. I mean, you talk about the best prospects in baseball, Wander Franco, ever heard of them. And the number, I think that they're the number one prospect list or the number one prospect team with the best prospects in all of baseball. I think they're ranked number one. So what was your kind of, I mean, I was fired up for you, man. Obviously, it's a fresh start. Obviously, in Cincinnati, it was just kind of like a rocky road. You didn't know what if you were going to be up for the full year or getting sent down, all that kind of stuff. So what did, like, the Rays manager say, or GM say to you when he called you for the first time? Man, they told me – they just told me how excited they were. Actually, if you flip all the way back to when I was drafted in 2013, I thought that year in 2013 that the Rays were drafting me. Like, I thought 100% that was – if like, that morning of the draft that year, if someone was like, hey, where are you going? I would say I'm going pick – I think it was like pick 29. I was like pick 29 to the race. I, that's exactly – that's what I thought. And obviously it didn't work out like that. You know, I mean, it's, it's worked out well for me so far. But um, he called and said, man, we've been watching you since the draft, right? Like, you know, through the draft process and stuff like that. And, man, when I, I met the team at, at Yankee Stadium and I talked to the pitching coach or like our analytics guy and the bullpen coach, man, they were, all they were doing was basically telling me how good I was. You know, and guys that play in the major leagues, I don't think they necessarily need, you know, reassurance about how good they are because they're in the major leagues. I don't think they really need it. And, um, yeah, I mean, they were just telling me, we, we want you to do this and that. We don't want you to think too much. This is all we want you to do. And I didn't pitch that first day when I was activated, but I threw the second day. I threw two scoreless, man, and I felt great. And they were like, uh, that's all we want you to do. Just keep doing that. And I'm like – well, that's as easy and as simple. <laughs> it's crazy, man. And people talk about it with baseball, just just the clean slate and how much of a mental game it is. It's just crazy that 
right now, you I mean you've had success last year with the Rays and you're hot at you had it this year before the injuries. So it's like it's just insane just being in the right mental space can make such a massive dis- difference on that. Oh, right. So it's like like what when, when you were going into that first start, was it just like I'm not thinking about what happened in Cincy, I'm not thinking any of that stuff. I'm just gonna go here and dial it in for the against the AL East. Right. Yeah. I was just saying, you know, new fresh start, like, you know, um, no one to try to impress, just go out there and do what I know what to do. And basically like cleared my mind a little bit, you know, and then the team was, I got traded to a team that was, you know, number one in the American league, you know, they were, they were first in the American league. And it's like, if a team like that is trading for me, you know, that's gotta be pretty cool. That was like a confidence booth in itself for me. And so I was like, Oh, well, these guys want me like, here I am. Like I just got DFA by the team. And the team that's number one in the American League right now, best record in the league, wants me to be on their team. Like, right there, that was like, man, I want to be here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that was definitely a confidence boost just for that. And then, obviously, having success right away, you know, it was just like, I want to be here and I want to stay here. And it does help that I yeah, I live here now. So For sure. And going back to that draft, this is how crazy – I mean, this is why this is the most electric baseball podcast on the planet – you said you're supposed to get drafted 24th overall to the Rays. That 29. pick or 29. Oh, they didn't have the 29th pick in that draft. That's what I'm saying. Oh, wait. You're t- what draft was this? 2011? No, 2013. Wait. 2013. Okay, so 2011. Never mind. I my whole thought process has gone out because our guy Taylor Guerrero got drafted 25th overall in 2011. I thought that's what you were referring to, but just scratch it. Do you remember who got drafted that pick? Uh, yeah, Ryan Stanek. Yeah. Okay, that guy's a freak, by the way. I've met him. We've hung out together multiple times. We work out at the same uh, gym down here in Tampa. I mean, uh, he's a great dude. And I always tell every time I see him, I'm like, man, you're the reason why I wasn't a first rounder. I really hate you. That's a massive thing. If you guys ever go into an argument, uh, that's what I would specifically just say to someone. I'd be like, I'm the reason you're not a first round draft pick. Like, that's the biggest brag of all time. And I would definitely use that to get myself mad and worked up. I really need I got it for myself, my back pocket. True, you do, man. But when you go out to the Rays, obviously you probably weren't thinking about this again. You guys have a little bit of like an officially unofficial alliance going on in there with Tyler Glass now and you. Is that something that maybe you guys can start to bond over? Just kind of both being alumni of this show, friends of the pod? Because Tyler Glass now is a big official and official guy, humble brag. But how nasty is he, by the way? Is he? I mean, he's a freak. I was with him like an hour ago, right? We were... Um, I was doing some rehab, you know, for my shoulder and he was in there getting some stuff done and, um, got free. I mean, I watched that guy when he was, when he was in, uh, Indianapolis and in AAA, my first year of AAA was in 16. I think his was maybe end of 15, but his first like full year to start the year in 16 was in AAA. And man, we faced each other multiple times. And then I watched him come up and down, um, with, with Pittsburgh. And that was kind of how I was my first year at Cincy. So we were both you know, basically living out of suitcase that most of that year, you know, back and forth, back and forth. And that guy, it's crazy because I know he's, he had the same stuff back then and me watching him throw, but I don't know what it was. Was it the pirates? Was it, he just needed a clean star? Like, what was it? But man, he come over here and it's just like, I don't think his stuff was any different. I just think between the ears was different. And that guy is a freak, right? I mean, that guy's crazy athletic, you know, he throws a hundred, you know, he's got crazy long hair. You know, it all works for him. You know what I'm saying? So some people just have it all, bro. And I, I'll, I'll say this. And I and Tyler Glassner actually admitted to this. We are the first ever podcast, I believe, that ever showed interest in having him on as a guest. And now he actually referred to himself. I don't know if he told you this. He refers to himself as a podcast slut. Like that's what he told me because he just does a shit yeah. ton of podcasts. He posts on Instagram. Yeah, he posts. He's always. uh doing podcasts here and there, always reposting his little clips. Oh, yeah, I see it all the time. So I think I'm maybe the best scout of all time because I, I saw him pitch, and I believe it was the year whenever, like, the the glove, the tipping pitches stuff, and I was like, this guy's a freak. Had to get him on. He came on, and that's – and ever since then, he's just the greatest pitcher of all time. And so oh, I yeah. wonder – and when you're talking about that raised bullpen, I, they, I believe it's called a stable. Is that correct? Just a bunch of guys that throw over 100? Like, like my That series was my first series with the team, so I kind of got a – that's how I my love for Kevin Cash definitely grew a little bit more right then. And what can what what's it like being a part of a bullpen where every single guy that comes out of that pen is is gonna have a sub two ERA or just throws over ninety nine and just disgusting cutters sliders whatever like what's that bullpen atmosphere like? Man, it, it's honestly man, it was it was fun for me, man. All those guys, you know, close with all those guys, uh, talking to them, picking all their brains. Um, 
you know, and it, I think it's nice because we all think that each that everyone else is nasty. Like we, as a bullpen, like we think, I think the other seven guys were disgusting. I think they were the best guys on the, on, like the best pitchers on the planet. And, and it was nice knowing that they thought the same of me, like when I was pitching. So like just having that like camaraderie and like having that, like we are all pretty close, pretty tight, right? Like I got some of the guys on liking some certain shoes, right? Getting them some Jordans. Like, I mean, like little, little things like that. I mean, it goes a long way. Like when you have a good clubhouse, like in a good, you know, like demeanor with everyone else, you know, it, it, you play better. Like, honestly, it's easier to play and play hard and to have success when you like doing it to the guy next to you. You know what I mean? So that was, that was a uh, pretty cool with those guys. I mean, th- those guys are all gross. I mean, I- I'm tuned in every game watching all those guys throw, you know, and I think, I think those guys are the best. Who's one guy that you've kind of got the closest with in that bullpen? Like one guy where it's like a potential wedding party guy, like a guy that might be in your wedding party someday. Ooh, uh, Ryan Thompson, probably. That's my guy. RT's my guy. Yeah. Yeah. Guy, he's I, crazy. He's, you look at him throwing up there and he's throwing all arms and legs at you. He's dropping down. He's throwing, he's throwing sliders in the left handers batter's box and the right handers are swinging. You know, he's, he's, he hit a guy this year on a swing. You know, it, it's, <laughs> yeah. you know, it, it's wild. I mean, yeah. I, I, it's crazy. You know what I'm saying? And um, yeah, we're always, we're always, you know, talking in the bullpen, right? We have this thing where, uh, we have like our own little cheat sheet out in the outfield, right? Kind of just has each player, like how they how they perform versus lefties versus right, like just the analytical numbers, you know, yeah. the hot zones. And every game that was me and him, it was like the third inning. We would go and I'm obviously holding the left-handed binder. He's holding the right-handed binder and we're going each hitter. We're figuring out what we should do, basically going over our game plan. And that was what we did every game, you know, like the second, third inning. That's what we did. Dude, I, I, I'm actually convinced Ryan Thompson's ducking the podcast because I reached like his age. I'm pretty close with his agency, uh, Northwest Sports Management, and they said, we're getting you Thompson on the podcast. And it's just been cricket since then. I don't know what's going on with our Thompson. I feel like him and I would get along well. Maybe he's ducking the pod. Maybe just bring it up to him and be like, are you ducking Johnny Junton, the Fish and Official podcast? Because he's kind of breaking my heart here. I've been trying to get this guy on for literally three months, but it's fine. Yeah. Hey, I'll talk to him. I'll, it's, I'll let it slide. If he's ducking, he's ducking. It's fine. But I respect that. I need this guy on the pod. But And everyone mentions the AL East, man. And then obviously, when you got traded there, was your first thought like, I'm going to have to go up against Stanton, Judge, Bichette, Vladdy, all these guys, majority of the year. Like, do you ever think about that kind of shit? Or is it just like, I'm, I'm just going to focus on what I'm doing? Right, right. I mean, you know, I think every player is going to say, yeah, I'm just going to focus on me who's in the box. Uh, that's kind of like, I think that's more the generic tough guy baseball answer right um i faced Stanton. i mean i faced uh stanton when he was in miami right i faced yellows when he was still in miami and um i i got to where i think i struck out stanton twice that game but as third bad he hit me he took me way back and so i was like well at least i got the home by the way like i'm not scared of giving up a homer to him because i already did it you know and and judge i faced him going up you know up through the minor leagues right and uh Got him a couple times, so I really didn't think too much about that. I was more in awe of the fact that I was pitching in Yankee Stadium. That was more that was cooler with me than who was in the box, honestly. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's just the AL East, man. Everyone talks about the division being like the best offense, and you can make the case right now the American League East is the best division of baseball. Period. I mean, you have four teams that are pretty much battling for first, second spot. So it's crazy, man. How how much every single game matters in the year in 166, 162 game season. So. What's the, I mean, what's the difference you would say in that clubhouse compared to like the Reds, not talking shit on the Red stuff, that kind of stuff. But what's like one thing that they do different with the Tampa Bay Rays where you're like kind of foreign to or you didn't really expect? Well, I mean, like I said, I'm not I'm not down talking to anyone here, but yeah. uh, when, when the team wins, like when you're consistently winning, you know, the clubhouse is very light. Right. There's no like there's no egos like, you know. Rich Hill, Rich Hill's probably one of the cooler guys I've ever played with. And I'm pretty, it's pretty cool for me to call him a, a, that I, I played with him or like, you know, years down the road, I can say I played with him and how cool it was. Yeah. Because Rich Hill, you know, he's the man. And we, there's really no, not that there was egos anywhere else, but there was just, it was very light around the clubhouse, right? It was very, they were accepting me super quick, right? It did help that like, you know, the next day after I was traded over there, you know, I threw well and punched out a couple guys and I already knew probably knew about three or four of the guys already, at least just from the Tampa area because where I worked out at. Yeah. And I glad faced him coming up. So like it was it was easy transitions for me. I mean the clubhouse has always been good. I mean, we always uh always lie, always joking. Like most places in the big league team, what I've been around is like the pitchers usually stay with the pitchers, right? And the outfitters usually stay with the outfitters and the infielders, you know, and all that. 
But like here, I can go up to anyone. I can go up to the shortstop. I could go up to, you know, Joey Window. I could go up to Austin Meadows, like all those guys and joke around. And we could we could sit there and talk for nine innings if they weren't playing. So like, I think just having an easygoing relationship with everyone on the team is, is, like I said earlier, you know, it's easy to play for guys like that when they're behind you, you know, when you create friendships and stuff like that. And especially how you hit it off so quickly. You know, it's it's fun to you know play with those guys and especially to win. And here's a stat: I don't know if you're going into ARB soon. Maybe you can bring this up, or maybe I could just be a part of the meeting. But Mike Trout and DJ LeMahieu are lifetime 0 for two against you with one punchy. That's something you could bring up. Like those are the two best hitters in baseball. Mike Trout is 0 for one with I believe a ground out, and DJ LeMahieu is 0 for one with a punch out. So that's just maybe just keep that write that down. Tell your agent something maybe just to remember that the two best potential best hitters in the game are over two lifetime against you. So that's just something to just bring up, man. I'm a Cody Reed guy. I'm going to make a binder getting tool for sure. I think I might, we have to throw that in there. Yeah. I'm trying to make a binder for you kind of figure it out, all that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. And then, yeah. And, and speaking about analytics though, I mean, the Rays are a massive, massive analytic organization, obviously with the, some of the stuff that goes on there. Was that a big adjustment for you or were you like previously like into the analytics and all that kind of stuff? Uh, no, I really wasn't into it. Um, it was more of like, you know, I got what I got and I, and I'm coming at you with my best stuff, right? Like my stuff is better than you, like kind of mentality, man. But when I came over there, uh, and I had the meeting with the pitching coach, the, uh, the analytics guy, the bullpen coach, they told me that my two seamer was one of the best in the game. So, right. Like as of from like 2017, they're like, Hey, your two seam is this good. We want you to throw it. We want you to throw it. I don't care if it's right down the middle, if it's up, if it's down, if it's in, if it's out. We just want you to throw it over the plate because you're – yeah, I had like like the second highest ground ball rate or something like that. And they're like, that's what we want. And when you get two strikes, we want you to strike people out with your slider, and that's all we want you to do. And I was like, okay. And that like that's how simple that meeting went. And so I, um, for me, like with the spin and like – Man, I, I want to induce ground balls. Like I want people like, yeah, do I want to strike everyone out? Sure. But I also want people to – I want quick outs. Now, if, if I come in in the seventh inning there's a guy on first and went out, the one thing I want to do is to get a ground ball. I want to, you know, throw the ball. Like, sink doesn't really – you know, it, it obviously doesn't have high spin. So, like, yeah. I'm not really, really, like, fully invested into it because I think when – now when guys face me, hey, he's a sinker slider guy. You know, he'll throw his uh, sinker on both sides of the plate. He'll throw his slider on both sides of the plate at any count. Like, you know, they I think they already know. And so I'm just out there saying, hey, man, hit it. And hopefully hit it into the ground and hit it at somebody. That's kind of what I want. I mean, you want to talk about just putting your balls on the table, like just just immediately finding out that you have the best two-seam in baseball. What, did you have no idea? Like you legit had no idea that how good your two-seam was? They just told you? Yes. I, I mean, I rarely – like with the Reds, I didn't really throw it that much. Uh, I mean, I, I definitely mixed it in here and there, but um, I didn't throw it as much as obviously I feel like I should have now, now looking back. But, but um, yeah, probably until 20, 2018, maybe the end of twenty, middle to the end of 2018, I kind of started throwing it just a little bit more. But, I mean, now I'm primarily, you know, two-seam at all, almost at all times. Like, I'll sneak a four-seam in there every once in a while, like, if I really want to, like, you know, let one rip. But I usually throw two-seam. In fastballs, I mean, if I'm throwing a fastball, it's a two-seam 95% of the time. Dude, that's – I mean, people shit on analytics. A hand up, I've probably shit on it a couple times too. But it's kind of cool to just look into stuff and just think maybe I do have pitches that are nasty that I'm not giving some love to. You know what I mean? Did they also tell you that there was pitches that you're throwing that you should just immediately gas? Like, did they just say, you got to stop throwing this shit? No, I mean, not really. They said, they no, they just kind of hyped up the the two seam. And they were like, hey, man, your slider is is wipeout slider. Like, when you get to two strikes, you know, put guys away. And I was like, okay. And then I asked because my changeup has always been the pitch where I I didn't really make myself as a starter. Like, I didn't, I don't think I, when I was first coming up as a starter, my first, you know, three years, I, didn't throw a change up as much because it was like, Hey, it's not that good. You got to work on it. And it's like, well, then when I'm in a game, I'm not trying to throw something that people think isn't that good, you know? So it kind of like was a block there, but I mean, I throw it, I threw it a couple of times in spring training, you know, I mixed with a little cutter here and there just to kind of like spring training, you, you have a little luxury of working on stuff and, you know, this and that, but when I throw my two seam or my uh, change up into like in bullpens, or like the playgrounds and the pitch coach is like, Hey man, when you think you can get ahead and get, and get guys off balance. He goes, I don't see why you won't throw it. And I was like, okay. 
I mean, that just goes to show the credit to your success that you're having now, man. It's just, it's insane. It's just, but what, what was one team besides the Rays that you kind of thought you were going to get dealt to? Like one team maybe that had interest in you that always showed interest in you? Or was it just like the Ray? like I think I'm going to get traded to the Rays here? Or I guess you had no idea. He's going to definitely keep me in contact, keep me in the loop, kind of what was going on, right? So um, he listed off a couple teams. Uh, actually, the first team he listed was uh, the Dodgers. It was the very first team he said. Holy like the Dodgers. shit. Because I think um, back in 2019, when I uh, I tore my knee, right, I had my MCL, yeah. and um, they that's the year I asked for my release. But they, um, my agent was telling me that they were asking for a trade for me. The Dodgers were that year in 2019, and the Reds said no. Wow. Yeah. So that's what I was told. He could have been just blowing smoke up me. I don't know. But he said that the the Dodgers were definitely you know, involved and, and trying to see, you know, what we could, what we could do and this and that. And it was crazy because I pissed against the Dodgers. Like I, I got called up through two innings versus the Dodgers through really well, um, punched out the couple lefties that came up. And then like a week, I got sent down the next that night, I'm pretty sure. And then like a week later, that's when uh, I got called up. But as I was driving back to Cincy, that's when my agent told me, Hey, like the Dodgers have kind of been, you know, calling and asking how you're doing. And even when I was re- when I, I ended up tearing my knee and then I was rehabbing, he was still right around the trade deadline. He was saying, "Man, how's your knee coming?" Because the Dodgers are still asking. And Jesus, I was like, man, oh, that'd have been kind of cool. But I mean, um, yeah. But I mean, looking back, it's like, yeah, that would have been cool, right? But like, I think it worked out good for me now. Yeah, right? no, so- yeah, you're in a good spot now for sure. Because the Rays, obviously, it just they're a team that they're not, they're going to throw guys into the fire. Like they're not scared to put like, you see it with Wander Franco. The guy's 20 years old. He's in the show. Right. So have you, have you met Wander Franco? Yeah. 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 So uh, I was actually at his first game when he hit the homer, right. The place was electric. Right. I mean, it was crazy. So I still, I'm still able to go to all the home games. Right. So uh, that was pretty cool to go to, go to that one and see do that, you know, um, pretty cool moment. Right. And that was, um, that was something, you know, he'll, he'll, he's 20 years old, right? It was crazy. Like, that kid's up there hitting in the two spot, 20 years old, you know. And, and that I think his first at bat, he walked, right? And it was like he was 0-2, and yeah. it worked. You're like, not many guys would do that, right? Most guys are, like, up there, not necessarily panicking, but, like, you know, they're 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 on the gas, right? They're they're green light at all times. And he took a walk. I think he got 0-2, and it was four straight balls. Or I think he fouled a pitch off, but – Worked the count, and he was taking pitches that were right off the plate. I mean, I'm talking <laughs> right off. He's a freak. Like, He's a freak, man. And do you see the Rolls Royce he ripped it ripped to the ballpark in? Spring training, and I remember I walked in. I said, "Who the hell is driving this Rolls Royce?" And they're like, "Oh, <laughs> I was like, who?" They're like, yeah, the top prospect. I was like, this guy hasn't made it to the show. He's driving a Rolls Royce. <laughs> like, gee, dude. I, apparently, he has a Lambo too. He has like a, a orange Lambo. I honestly, I've heard, I, I said something about the uh, Rolls Royce like a couple days ago, and I heard that he has like seven other cars. Dude, it's just the guy's 20 and he's just ripping around in a Lambo. That's, see, I, th- people can hate on that, but that's just kind of confidence that you need to be good in baseball. You kind of have to be a psycho. Like this kid knows he's going to be so good in the game of baseball where he's like, I can afford to get all these type of exotic cars because I'm going to sign a max deal like to Tatis or stuff like that because he knows he's a dog, but he knows well, he's a what was the atmosphere like there, though, for his debut? I mean, obviously the trop doesn't really fill up that much, but was it packed? Oh yeah, I mean it was it was probably just as much, if not more, than what we've had before. So you know, he goes up there and they announce him and a little stand and know for him. Like everybody stood up, clapped for him. I mean, everyone knew who he was, right? Everyone went nuts. And the Rays are so good at you know like publicizing their players, right? Like Wander, he got a ton of exposure, right? I remember my first game I ever saw him play was a spring training game. I want to say it was the first or second spring training game of this year. And he hit a ball, like, out of the stadium, left-handed. Like, this is the guy that drives the Rolls-Royce. Oh, makes sense. You got you tr- you to try guy, a carpool. Guy just hit it 500 feet. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> you got a carpool, bro. You got to start trying to finesse your way into that Rolls-Royce. I know. And I saw where when he showed up, he wasn't even driving. <laughs> oh, my I God. Like, I was like, geez, good for him. Dude, the kid can't even – dude, he can't even legally drink yet in the U.S. He's hitting nukes in the show and ripping around in Rolls Royces. I mean – You can't make it up. You can't when, make those stuff. When I was 20, I was working at a lumber yard, driving around a Ford Escape that I put into a ditch. I mean, it just there's just two parallels in the world here. It's just crazy to me how, how, how good Wander Franco is. But 
going into other guys in the show, like around the league here, I mean, I, we got to talk about our guy, Jesse Winker, who's just the best hitter on, in baseball right now. I mean, watching what this guy's doing, you probably saw it. I probably saw it when he was like, he, he would have moments where he would just be the best hitter in baseball, but he's putting it together here. What are you seeing from him? He's nasty, man. Oh, that guy, he ain't missing his barrel. I'll tell you that. I, mean, I feel like every time ball and play, he's, he's hitting it a hundred miles an hour off the bat. I mean, he's just hitting it hard everywhere and golly, he's hitting homers. I ain't gonna lie. He was one of the first guys that I got pretty close with when I got traded to the Reds, when I went to double a man, he, I watched him go on a stretch. I, I don't necessarily know exactly, but I think it was like five or eight. It was one of those two. It was five games in a row where he hit a homer in double a, or it was like eight games. It was something crazy. And he hit like a homer and like, I, I honestly think it was eight, eight days in a row, eight games in a row. He hit a homer. And I'm like, and like two of the two of the homers were like in the eighth inning to put us up. I'm like, that is crazy. Yeah. You know, I was pitching really well, right? Like in double A when I got traded over there, he was hitting well. And so we kind of like hit it off. And then, I mean, I watched him rake in, in, in Louisville for a while. I mean, I've seen him struggle, but his struggles don't last that long. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he fixes that. He, he fixes it. He figures it out. He does whatever he needs to do to, you know, to hit the ball over the, over the fence, bro. And golly, if he's not doing it now. And the thing is, like, it all he needed was, like, a chance. And you saw it last year when you were playing with him, right? I mean, there was moments where he would, like, he would dress or he would play four games. He'd be on the bench for, like, two or three. They wouldn't really play on that much. Now he's seeing pitches. He's getting A-Bs in. And he's just the best hitter in baseball, man. I mean, I would say him and Tatis are, like, one, two, and Castellanos for, like, the MVP in the in the NL. Like, it has to be. Castellanos rakes, too. But, yeah, Winker, man, that lefty swing, man, I love it. I love it, like. You know, he's got the confidence. He's got the swagger, right? He's got, you know, he, he's in the right mindset for sure, especially doing what he's doing. I mean, we, me and him, we still talk periodically. I mean, actually, what me and him talk about the most is probably music. Our music taste is about the same. So I'm always sending him a song that drops or he's sending me one or like we'll talk about NBA basketball or the playoffs or, you know, I'm a big, you know, Grizzlies fan. So he'll talk about John Moran, right? And, you know, that's that's kind of how we've, our, our relationship is now, you know, not seeing him as much and, yeah, so, but yeah, awesome for him. I, I Every time I check the box score and I see him, you know, two for three with the homer, I'm like, God, wait, yet yeah. again, right? It, it fires me up. It fires me up, to be honest, because like I said, I just, he's such a good dude and it's, it's good to see what he's doing, man. He deserves it and he works his ass off. But, and the next thing I want to bring up is obviously you're being a pitcher and stuff like that. With what's going on in the major leagues now, the sticky stuff and all that kind of shit. What is your thought process on just like you having to do a strip tease after every inning? Because you haven't pitched in it, right? Uh, well, I was right at the beginning of it, right at the beginning oh, of it, yeah. but not, not where people got checked. I, I wasn't pitching then. That was that started like, you know, last week or so, but, um, yeah, man, I think, I think it's just gotten a little too far. I think it's kind of got out of hand. Um, I, I mean, I know guys shouldn't be using it, but you got to think, you think 10 years ago, everyone was using it and no one said anything. Like, it's just like, you think in the eighties guys weren't doing stuff. You don't think like. They had to. I'm not saying everyone was, but there was definitely more guys than not. Yeah. No, I mean, and so it's like, and I, I saw something, I can't remember who was talking, but I saw something on ESPN or first take or something. I can't remember who was talking, but it was like saying all these records are getting like, you know, crept up on. And it's like, but now guys are like, you know, the pitching records or some sort of record. And it's like, now you're going to check them for all this because, those shouldn't be broken, but it's like records are meant to be broken, right? Like some last than others, right? But I don't know. I think now they've made the game so offensive because as as much as, as biased as I am, you know, pitcher-wise, when guys pay for a ticket to go see the Rays play in Gladstone, they don't pitch to see him strike out 14. That that's why not that's not why they come to the game. Yeah. They come to they want to see, you know, Randy you know hit a homer, Meadows hit a homer, you know, or whoever we're playing, their big guy, you know, go deep like that's why they come for the game. They don't come to watch Glass now make guys look ridiculous for seven innings. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Which is crazy. So, like, then they change the balls here and there, you know, like, and, like, I think it was so – everyone was worried about the home run total. The home run total has gone up all the time. It goes up all the time. But, like, I think people were starting to care less about striking out because I just want to hit homers. Who cares about striking? Because I've asked guys that I've played with, like position players, I'm like, would you take – like one for four with a homer, or would you take, you know, two for four with two doubles and like a two RBIs? And they're like, oh, I'll take the homer and strike out three. That's crazy to me. I'm like, how? Why would you do that? Yeah, that's but they, crazy. They don't care about striking out. So now guys are striking out more 
and they're like, oh, well, the pitchers are doing something. But it's like, no, why don't you take more of a better approach to play and not strike out as much? Like, put the ball in play. Like, look at Winker. Like, he doesn't strike out that much. I know. No, I, no, he doesn't. Numbers that I, I don't really know, but I can just – me purely guessing, he doesn't strike out. I've just seen him. You know, and like Joey, he doesn't strike out. You know what I'm saying? Like Votto, those guys don't strike out. And it's like they care about their approach. Like it's different. Like homers are going to happen. And like doubles are going to turn into homers is what they say, right? You keep hitting balls off the wall. Like eventually doubles will turn into homers. Yeah. No, that's you know, a good, yeah. I just think the game has gotten so offensively that now they're thinking they're doing everything they can. You know, they want to speed up the game, but like this doesn't speed up the game. The no. game I was at the Rich Hills pitching. It was almost a four-hour game. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I know how long baseball games are. Like, it doesn't bother me because I know. I know they're going to be nine innings, and I know – Sometimes they score 10 runs, it'll be 10 to 8, or sometimes it'll be one nothing, and we'll score on a wild pitch in the ninth inning. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just how baseball is. And, like, it's just you trying to make everyone happy, but I think you're making some of the players unhappy. And that's the thing, man, and what a point you just brought up that I didn't even really think about was, are the pitchers getting nastier, or are the hitters just, like you said, not giving a shit about their approach? Because obviously back in the day, right, if you were hitting, I'm just, like, even like 10, 15 years ago, if you were hitting 220, 210, you're not, your ass isn't in the show, bro. Your ass yeah. is not in the show. Nowadays, you see guys like, for instance, there's guys legitimately hitting 180, 190, but they have like 15 nukes. So they're still in the show. It's just yeah. crazy to me that point. I, I didn't even think about it that way. Are, are pitchers getting nastier? Sure. But are hitters just not giving a shit about their approach? That, that, that's the argument that people should be making, right? I, I think that's the pitcher's argument, right? Like, and hitters can say, well, they're creating more spin, but it's like, pitchers have always done it you know what i'm saying like it's not like this is a new thing this year right now you know what i mean like it wasn't a problem five years ago it wasn't a problem you know but now it is like i don't that's why i don't understand it's like yeah pitches are getting good because now they're you know they're all the workouts are crazy now right you see these guys like throwing you know doing like crow hop throws and trying to throw it 105 right and trying to build their arm strength as much as possible everyone wants to throw 100 right that's just the way it is and then you got guys in now that are all throwing hard. It's like, well, you can't make them any better. You got to take everything away from them. And I'm like, yeah. that shouldn't be right because, like, what, what did Alonzo say? Alonzo said, it doesn't matter to me. I want to know if a guy's throwing 95 plus, I want him to know where it's going. True. Like, and then when they want to talk about the speed of the game, my opinion, if they're talking about the speed of the game and there's going to be more walks, there's probably going to be more walks throughout a game. Like not maybe not necessarily right now, but throughout the rest of the season, there's going to be more walks. There's going to be if people get hit more, you know, that's going to be a problem in itself, right? People don't want to get hit. You know, I don't want to hit anyone, but people, yeah. the, the hitters, dancer don't want to get hit. And so, I don't know. I just think that like they're just trying to change the game so much. Like it's so different now. That's like there's so many guys that are just like, what are we doing? Like, what do we got? It is. I just, it, there's so many things in the game of baseball that really don't make sense to me. It's like the suspending people 10 games for having six sticky substance and then the Astros not getting a single game suspension. It just honestly doesn't make sense to me. I think what baseball needs is like a player to be the commissioner, like a guy that used to play in the game that understands certain stuff in the game that you just obviously have to kind of let slide, like the sticky stuff. Do I agree with the spider attack and stuff like that? Hell no, bro. I don't know if that's something that you kind of are on the fence with as well, but I saw that's that, that spider attack, bro. That shit is insane. I don't know if that's just me, but I, I've never been, I've never used that. Was that sunscreen or rosin? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. Sunscreen or rosin is, I mean, even I saw the thing that Bauer put on sweat and rosin also creates some sticky stuff. Rosin dries everything out. So when something's wet and you try to dry it out, you rub it, rub it on, you rub it on, you like, it's going to create some sort of tech. But like the balls now, when when they, Trevor was right. Like when the balls are rubbed up now, they're rubbed up and they're sitting there for weeks until they get used. And so then they get dusty. And I can only imagine what dust and what is in the umpire's pouch, right? And balls are sitting there. And I will say the balls this year were definitely slicker than years I can remember. And I'm like, why are they so powdery? It's like literally it looks like someone they rubbed them up and then got baby powder and just dumped baby powder all of them and they rubbed them up and throw them out there. That's kind of what they felt like to me. I had some issues with my hand, no, anyways, but like that's how it felt to me. Yeah. I think, and honestly, call me a conspiracy theorist, but I truly do think a couple years ago or even a year ago, the balls had to be juiced. 
like you said, I mean, you were talking about it with Major League Baseball wanting to, I guess you could say, make the hitters feel better about themselves or kind of, I don't know, how, I don't know how to put it into words, but just kind of be more hitter friendly, correct? So right, yeah. adding stuff to these baseballs, I, I used to be watching games and it would be like, that's a pot fly. And it would just leave the crib. It doesn't make, there was certain stuff that was fishy to me, but Nick Kingham brought up a good point on the show. He said, the balls in the KBO are perfect. I don't know if you've ever touched the KBO ball, but Nick Kingham told me they're the perfect grip. It's never slippery. The guys there don't even need sticky stuff because the ball is all, every single ball is the same. It's perfect. It's everything. I'm just confused on why Major League Baseball can't adapt to that certain aspect where you don't even need the sticky stuff because the balls are actually correct. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. They, I think I was talking to Rich Hill after he threw. He said the balls now that they've made it, he said they ball, they did feel okay. They felt a little bit different, but like, like they're different in a good way. Like they felt they weren't as slick, right? They weren't, they felt good like in his hand. So maybe they're trying to change something. Maybe they're rubbing up the balls and right before the game. Maybe they're rubbing up, you know, 200. I don't, I don't even know what's the average, how many baseballs are gone through in a major league game. It's got to be a lot, but yeah. you know, rub up, have X amount of balls and then play the game. Don't rub them up, let them sit, you know, in a, in a bucket or let them sit in a, in a box for weeks and then go and use them because that mud or what, because it's basically mud is how you rub a ball up a little bit of mud. It's a little, it's a little bit of moisture to it. Just kind of gives it a good little grip. Doesn't make it, doesn't make it sticky, but it doesn't make it seem like, you know, there's powder all over it. True. No, that's, I mean, that's crazy to me, but, and the Trevor Bauer thing I have to ask. So if, if you're, if you have, if you're sweating and there's rosin on your arm and it's like sticky, you can get suspended for that. Is that what you're saying? Well, that's what, that is what he, the what I the video that I saw of him. He had a ball. He was squeeze. He rubbed it and he let go of it, and the ball was still on his hand. And he his fingers were out flat, and the ball was still on his hand. And he was like, I think he said something like, "MLB is this legal?" And it was just sweat and rosin. So like, can you make what you just you know like make guys not sweat? Like that's impossible. You know what True. I'm saying? So, you know, you're pitching in Cincinnati when you know in July it's a day game. It's hot as all get out. You know what I'm saying? Like you ain't gonna just not sweat. Like I, I'm the worst. When it's hot outside, I'll go through a jersey. I'll go through a whole jersey and have to. And when I was starting, the third inning, I'd have to rip, go in the clubhouse, take my jersey off, grab the other. My, you know, you have two jerseys. Grab it, put it on, and tell, hey, can you throw this in the dryer real quick? Because in two in two more innings, I'm gonna have to switch again. That's and crazy. I just think um, that they're just changing the game so much, and it's just it's gonna you know, irritate a lot of people. Just keep it the same way. I don't understand. It's just like I, so much stupid shit going on. Like last year, this wasn't happening. Every baseball game was like incredible to watch. Just maybe because it was COVID and there was no games on at a certain point, but the game of baseball, you can't change that shit. And I like the fact that it's evolving and turning into like not a showboat, but it's kind of turning into the NBA, like kind of show off what you're doing, man. Like the guys like Tim Anderson, obviously Amir, who I mean, Amir has been buzzing lately, all that kind of stuff. I just like the fact that the game of baseball is they're banishing guys or they're not like they're kind of roasting guys that show off their personalities, but they're just doing shit that just makes the game so stupid. I mean, it's crazy, man. I don't, I don't understand it. Yeah. I mean, guys are just, you know, they're, they're playing like they're having fun. That's how, I mean, that's how we've always, that's how we all grew up. You know, you play the game, like just have fun, play the game. It's like now guys are doing that. Like I played against Tim in Juco. Right. So like, he wasn't necessarily like that, but it's like he's created a name for himself and he's established himself. Like he enjoys playing the game. He enjoys playing shortstop every single day for the White Sox. Like let him show you that he enjoys it. You know what I mean? And like the Tatis thing, like the Pimpin' Homers, like that stuff's never really bothered me. Like if I'm out there competing and you beat me, then I can't wait to face you again and me beat you. Like that's how I think. If you want to pimp a homer, so be it. Like there's pitchers all the time. The crucial situation, you strike someone out. I mean – you're going to be vocal. You're going to be emotional. Like it's a big moment. Like you've worked your tail off to play at the hardest level of baseball. Yeah. So why would you not want to show emotion when you have success? No, it's a good point. It's a really good point. It's just crazy to me. And the next question is completely off topic, but are you in the running for the future godfather of Amir's child? Is that something like, are you in the running for that? You think? I don't know. Me, I, I talk to Amir almost every day. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm not, you know, he's in Vegas. I'm in Tampa, so it's like a little bit different, a little bit of distance there. I don't know. I, mean, I need to. I need to send him a text and say who's in the running because yeah, I, you got to figure that out. Hat, right? I would love to. 
Yeah, you got to figure that out. And honestly, I'm here to hearing rumors. I'm actually, I don't know if I'm starting these rumors, but Amir to the Blue Jays. I'm hearing rumors about that. That would be electric. A little Cody Reed versus Amir Garrett action going on there in the AL East. I don't know if this is an actual rumor, but a lot of the Jays bloggers and stuff like that are like advocating for Amir Garrett to pitch here because the Jays bullpen has been so bad. So it's just, hopefully that happens. That'd be electric. Just Amir in the six. I mean, that'd be incredible. But you actually haven't got to pitch. I mean, have you pitched at the Rogers Center before? No. Yeah, how you've how you ever been to you haven't even been to Toronto before, I'm assuming. No? I've been to Toronto before. All right. Well, we're well, don't worry. The, the Jays are gonna be here sooner than later. I'm hoping everything's buzz. We're, we're doing well here with the COVID and shit. So hopefully when the Jays come here, you're gonna be healthy. We're gonna I'll take you to what cactus club. We'll have we'll have a little Molson Canadian at Cactus Club, you and me. We'll get a pop in. I got you. All right, I'm in. I'm in. And then this, this is the last thing I want to bring up here is because I I'm an advocate, I'm a Cody Reed advocate, obviously. At what point do we just name you the like the guy with the best style in baseball? I mean, not just. I mean, look at the shoes behind you. I mean, you sh- like you're cracking MLB fits on Instagram. All you're always on that page and stuff like that. So, at what point? I mean, do you just kind of name yourself that or self-proclaim that, or do I have to start the narrative? I would love. To, I would love to be you know guy that you know with the, with the sneakers for sure. Like that's always been my thing. Um, I got some back here behind you that you can't see. Um, Actually, I got a shipment in today that I got some, so I got to put them in the in the closet back here because this closet is full of stuff too. So, uh, I uh, yeah, my uh, sneaker collection has has definitely grown, you know, as the years gone by. Yeah, I mean, I and the thing is, though, is I wasn't really like I was definitely always into fashion, like what I was wearing. But um, the more, like, actually, it was me and Amir. Me and Amir have always talked about what you gonna wear today, what you gonna wear today, like even just going to the field, and it just slowly progressed. It's just like all right, like the days, like in spring training. Some of the stuff that I would wear, I knew that I was pitching that day, so I could I could get to the field a little later in the day. I didn't have to get there, you know, at eight a.m. You know, I, I wasn't gonna wake up at seven and put on a put on a fit and then you know have to take it off and be done by twelve and no one sees me, yeah. right? So I didn't want to waste, you know, some especially some of the outfits I got. I didn't want to waste them. So um, I mean, I love I love you know fashion, I love clothes. Obviously, I love shoes. Um, you know, that's kind of been one of my. Uh, things that I've always enjoyed and liked. So uh, yeah, if I could, if I could crack that, that would be nice. And we're going to start it for you. Cause I, I'm boys with the guy that runs the MLB fits th- page on Instagram. Uh, so we're going to, we're going to try to get that going for you. And how great is that page, by the way, just showing off how drippy major league baseball players are right. something that's never happened. I think football gets a ton of publicity with that. Basketball is hundred percent the number one sport that gets what, what them guys wear. Right. Yeah. It was just never a thing. Me and Amir were talking about this. It's never really a thing in baseball. Like, no one really like paid attention to what baseball players were wearing, right? Because I think, because like, I don't know what it is, but baseball just wasn't as exciting. I mean, like at NBA, right? There's something happening every time they go up and down the court, right? There's yeah. something, and so like it's just a little bit different. And they got you know their culture there is different, man. They're they're all like they're showboating, right? They're talking trash, which like that's just how the game has always been, and everyone's loved it. Like I love going to NBA games. Like I was a uh, I'd go to the Grizzlies games back in 2018 when I still lived, you know, in Memphis. I, every time the Grizzlies played at home, I was there. You know, basketball games are awesome. But then, like, they got all the exposure of, like, what they were wearing, the shoes they were wearing, or, like, the designer, like, outfits. Like, like Travis Kelsey, another guy that I, I think he's – I think that dude's awesome. And I follow that dude on Instagram, seeing the stuff that he wears right now. Football is getting there. And finally now, like, baseball is getting a little bit more love. It is. It's good. It's good, man. I mean – I'm a big advocate, obviously, from being from Canada. I'm a big advocate for the suits pregame, like the hockey players do. I think that I think there's nothing cleaner than like a nice suit pregame, looking up, showing up in style. Maybe a bump day you could for the starting pitchers, just wearing a nice suit. That's when you just know you've made it. But it's just crazy, man. I mean, I, I, pages like that are good for the game of baseball because it gets to show guys off like you, Stroman, all those guys that just oh, yeah. actually actually show off their style. So shout out to MLB Fitz. I mean, Alex Tatum, I believe his name is. He's doing a great job with that. But And the last thing here, let's. I'm hoping this draws for the final start, but what's your NBA Finals prediction going on here? Who do you got? The Suns and, Suns and Four potential or what's going on here? I mean, the Suns are nasty right now. I mean, golly, with, with, with Paul back and – Devin Booker just going insane, right? And I and when when Chris Paul came over there, I'm a big basketball guy. So when Chris Paul came over there, you know, I just think it was such a difference that Devin Booker didn't have to handle the ball all the time. He wasn't the one. He didn't. Ha- he ha- he can play the two guard and he can run around screens. He can catch and shoot. Like if he needs to take the ball off the court, he's 100 percent doing it. But having a guy in a veteran as as good as Chris Paul is, I mean, we all know how good that guy is. Yeah. The way- way like the way he uses DeAndre Ayton right that guy was a number one overall pick like 
that guy's gross. And like, he couldn't blossom to what he was doing because he'd never had like a true, true point guard, you know, to run like a, a pick and roll with, you know, to like play the game with a point guard and center. And then you got a guy like, you know, Devin Booker running around like a madman, catching, shooting, scoring 40, right? Guy can't miss from three. You're like, and then you put a pick and roll, a deadly pick and roll. It's like, who's going to stop that? You know what I mean? I yeah. thought, thought when the finals, when the playoffs first started, my Grizz, you know, God love them. They, they got the Jazz, right? You know, jazz were the best team in the league. And those dudes could not miss from three. Oh, <laughs> word. Yes, yeah. dude, I was – I was like, can we get a hand up? Can we get something? And like, even when they were all over them, I mean, it was just finding the bottom of the net. And I'm like, dude, the Jazz are the best team I've ever seen. They just, I think they scored, I think it was like three games in a row where it was like 19, 21, 19 threes in the game. That's way too many. That's way too, I, that's, that's, that's way, just not, that's a lot. Yeah, you you ain't winning if the team's hit 19 threes against you. You just probably ain't winning. Yeah, you just, that, that's just something where you just got to tip your cap, be like, all right, these guys are ballers. But once, I, once the, has put the Grizzlies out. I was I was on the Jazz train, right? They put the Grizzlies out. Somehow the, the Grizzlies won game one. Don Mitchell didn't play. We're not going to talk about it. But the Grizzlies didn't win at least a game. True. And then they rattled off four straight L's in a row. Yeah. But it is. It is what it is, you know. And um, I'm excited for John Morant. You know, I think that guy is nasty, right? That guy is the truth, in my opinion. Am I a little bit biased? Absolutely. But I love him. And I, I was full on the Jazz train. And when the Jazz lost, when, when like with the Suns beat the Lakers, right? Yeah, that, yeah. And then once that happened, I I was then I changed it. I'm, I'm now I now was a bandwagon Suns fan for the playoffs. Sure, you had to be, you had to be. But I I have something for you because obviously if you're a John Morant guy, you want to get close with John Morant. You got to pull up to a Tampa Bay Rays game in a John Morant jersey, get a picture, post on Instagram, guarantee follow everything. You guys will be boys immediately after. That. I'm just thinking about you and you, you and John Morant are going to be boys then after that. No, wouldn't hate it. I'll tell you, I wouldn't hate it. There it is. So anyways, man, obviously I'm pumped to see what you do. And when you face the Blue Jays, I said it. Fuck, when you face the Blue Jays, they're dead to me. But other than that, it's Jay, It's Jay's first, Ray's second. That's my top two right there, obviously with you and Glass now. But, man, I'm looking forward to seeing you get back. Obviously, you've been doing well. You've been buzzing. And you're, like I said, you're a two-seam guy now. We're going to try to proclaim you. I might have to make T-shirts, the best two-seam in baseball with just your face under it. And we'll, we'll, just, we'll, we'll just get it going. Thank you, my brother. I appreciate you doing this, man. This is big time. Love having you on. Yes, sir, man. No problem. Thank you for listening to Officially Unofficial. Make sure you guys subscribe and leave a review on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Pod and on Instagram at Officially Unofficial Pod. Thank you. Thank you.